This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Talking about mothers, in scripture, there's nothing about motherhood. Did you know that? There's no actual definition of a mother in the Bible or of mothering. It's got parenting, but not mothering. So you have to go through scripture and try and glean. Because mothers have massive influence, even in scripture, on their children. But it doesn't actually say anything. I couldn't come up with a definition from the Bible on mothering. But, so I've got this from the internet. Mothering is the most significant, demanding, underpaid profession around We strongly believe that God ordained the specialness and importance of mothering. Honour your father and your mother is a recurring theme throughout the Bible. Right. Can I start with pregnancy? I won't go back any further than pregnancy, I promise. (laughs) We'll start with pregnancy. (laughs) Uh, Young people here. Don't know anything about that, so we leave it that. Right. Did you know that when a woman is pregnant, every system in her body is altered? Every system. Pregnancy is a phenomenon. I read this. You can Google it. Google physiology of pregnancy. It's fascinating. And I was amazed. I've been through it three times, and I was totally amazed at what my body went through when I was pregnant. And it's every, your cardiac output changes. This baby gets into you. You leave that part. It's it's already there. <laughs> and it and immediately your body goes into overdrive to keep the baby and yourself safe. So to do that, all the systems in a woman's body has to change. So your cardiac output is increased because you've got another person really living within you. Your urinary output is different. You get what is called frequency of micturition. Nursing. (laughs) Simply means you wee more often. You get constipated because it's amazing, isn't it? Your your teeth, because the pH in your mouth alters, it takes the enamel off your teeth. Did you know that? When I had Helen, which was the first one, the one who bought me Hillsongs, by the way, um, I had one filling in my head. After having Andrea, who bought me the deck, Every tooth in my head needed filling. <laughs> I went a year later, and all my teeth needed filling. And I blamed Andrea, as you did. And those, they said, oh, she's taking the calcium from your body. But it wasn't. It's that the pH level in your mouth changes and erodes the enamel on your teeth. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Right? Did you know that the fetus is temperature is not 0.5% higher than the woman's temperature? So you have to find a way to release the extra temperature. It's fascinating. All that is done 
just by getting pregnant. You don't think about it. You have no idea it's happening. You get sick. The hormones racing. So you're sick. Um, you get terrible stretch marks. <laughs> so all these things happen to you. And your tastes change. You suddenly want, you have a craving for different things. Isn't that fascinating? Why am I saying that? Because when you become a Christian and Christ comes to live inside of you, everything should change. Everything should change within us. If Christ lives in me, he should change every system of my body. Isn't it? My tastes change. You are here listening to an old woman <laughs> preaching instead of lying in bed on a Sunday morning. Your tastes have changed. It's simple as that. Your tastes change. The thing that's in you is so precious. Men refuse to have treatments for things like cancer in order to keep that baby safe. Everything's in overdrive to keep the baby safe. And the thing that's in you is just as precious. Christ in me. Christ in you, rather. It's not Christ in me. It's Christ in you. Hope of glory in me. And my tastes should change to keep that precious thing safe. So the first thing, that's the first thing, right from the outset, what's in you is precious. That baby is precious. And you'll die for it. You'll die for your baby. So that's... When I went through this, I came out with, I had to glean an awful lot of women in scripture to try and get what God is trying to say. And really, what he's saying is this, I think, to all of us. He is with us in every aspect of our motherhood. No matter what we're, what we're going through, wherever you are, God's with us. And really, that's what I want to say because what we all really want girls is this Proverbs 31 verse 28 if you can put it up her children arise and call her blessed her husband also isn't that wonderful and he praises her her children arise and call her blessed another version says her children say good things about her what those little ones said about their mother you know we look at ourselves sometimes and we think we're so inadequate I look back at the past and I think, oh dear, me got it wrong so badly. And then your kids say something like that and you think, got it all right. I remember Helen telling me when she was quite young saying, we only remember love, ma'am. And I thought, wow, I didn't expect that. And that's what we want to hear, isn't it? Children arise and call a bless. So I'm going to go through a few people in scripture. And some of them are sad some of them are mad and some of them are good what types of women then but first one are the barren women there are so many barren women in scripture people who couldn't have children you know and they have difficulty in becoming pregnant and there's Sarah there's Hannah and there's Elizabeth are the three that I've that I've chosen and I'm going to be short with this but do you know you have to uh, and there are people here who've been through that problem I know I won't name them but they've had to really wait for their children and I never had to do that so I have no idea how it feels but God knows but God knows and they showed absolute faith in waiting 
But all these children, if you look at them, Sarah gave birth to Abraham, whose husband took up a mountain ready to sacrifice him at God's word. I'm not certain Sarah knew about that. <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I'm not certain he had told Sarah what his plan was when he strapped the wood to Isaac's back and took him up a mountain ready to sacrifice him to God. But God gave him back, didn't he? Didn't have to. Hannah had to take her little boy when he was weaned, three years of age, to Samuel. And he went, it breaks my heart, he went in his little leaf fod, which was a little priestly robe that he wore, and she handed him over. She was so grateful that she gave him back to God in his priestly robe, three years of age. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, had lived to see her son beheaded at the age of 30. All our children girls belong to God. And we have to give them back to him. Because he can take better care of them than we can. So when in my heart and my mind I hand my children over, I'm handing them into the best hands possible. We don't know what's going to happen to them, but he does. And let him ensure that his perfect plan comes about for them. So barren mothers. Old mothers. Sarah and Elizabeth. I can't find anything good to say about this, to be perfectly honest with you, because I'll tell you now, if I got pregnant in my 80s, I'd be putting a millstone around my neck and casting myself into the bottom of the sea. I can see no good in being pregnant in your 80s. It's madness, Sarah was pregnant. After the, the age of childbearing, Sarah was pre um, Elizabeth was pregnant. Great. But that was God's plan for them. And they brought up these amazing children, yeah. you know. But for me, I don't want to be an old mother, thank you very much. I do not. But now, in this day and age, people are having children much, much older than they were. And they come into it with an awful lot of wisdom, isn't it? But, on the other hand, young mothers. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was 13 to 16 years of age when she got pregnant. 13 to 16. I find her amazing. If I've got a hero in the New Testament, it's Mary. Yes. Yeah. I find her amazing. Yeah. That a little girl that we would call immature, child herself, shouldn't be having children, was able to be given the Son of God and trusted to bring him up yeah. in that way. What wisdom that little girl must have had. More than all the older women were barren in the land and went to children, he picked this little girl so, don't, so age really is the barrier to bringing up children, is it? It's what that person's like, the wisdom you have to bring them up. So she had to, um, Ruth's already said, you know, and I, I, I was wondering, did she know, because she was so wise, she says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. She didn't tell people a lot of what she knew. Did Mary know? that the crucifixion would be there for her son. Did she know all her life loving him, knowing that she was going to have to watch that? Yeah. She's an incredible mother. The pain, she had to suffer the grief as well as the joy of motherhood. Wonderful mother. Then I've looked at poverty. Huge in this world today, poverty. Dreadful. But you know, the widow of Zarephath is, you read about her in 1 Kings 17. She wasn't from Israel. She wasn't one of God's people. She was outside. But Elijah the prophet went to her 
and she was going to die. She says, yes, can you, can you make me some food? I said, I'm only going to have to feed my son, and then we're going to die and nothing more. And you know, in poverty sometimes, she knew and she believed that God would be a provider. And when she handed over what she had, the oil never ran out, it said. She had enough oil to keep going. There is something about trusting God when you have nothing sometimes, isn't there? And watching him come through for you. And there's people here who can actually testify to how God has come through for them in those times. When God is my provider. When I trust him and when I obey what he tells me to do. Am I getting making sense to you? It isn't just that I give, but when God, she made a specific choice to obey what God was saying. And God said, now I'll provide for you. So he's the provider for the poor. It's wonderful. Oh, I'm not it out of it. No, it's in. Still in. <laughs> now I want to talk about this one. Now we're unequally yoked. Hey, that's me. I'm unequally yoked. My husband is not a Christian. And for that, we have to go to the New Testament. Timothy. Timothy was a product of a marriage where his father was, was Greek. He wasn't a believer. And, Paul, and his mother is called um, Eunice. And his grandmother is Lois. Or Lois, if you're English. <laughs> and the influence that they have on Timothy is now for Paul to say, remember the faith of your mother and grandmother. The sincere faith of your mother and grandmother. So even in a situation where, like me, you are alone, I have to trust God that I can be a good influence on my children. And they're both here today, and my grandchildren are here today. So obviously if you do it God's way, it works. And I'm not setting myself up here as some sort of hero of the faith, because believe me, I'm not in any way. But when you give your children to God, when you obey what God says, when you actually not just talk the talk, but sort of try to live the life in front of them, these are the good influences we pass on to our children. Then they take those good influences into their hearts. And, and walk in them themselves so that for me she's, a, she's an example of teaching and living how marvellous that for them so you may be from I don't know and York, well York families I don't know many of you here but believe me you can bring your children up in the Lord you can bring your children up in the Lord now I've been short on those but I want to speak longer on the next the next mother I want to talk about is the bereaved mother. Do you know, Jesus saw a mother at a funeral with her son and he was moved to such compassion that he brought the son back to life. Nothing in this world will prepare you for the pain. When we pray for these children in the prayer meetings, you know, that some of these, these parents are going through you know, children facing illnesses that are terminal, some of them. You know, unless you've been through it, you have no idea what that pain is like. There is nothing in this world that will prepare you for the pain of a loss of a child. Nothing. It's like pain you have never known. And the one thing I can tell you is, Jesus knows every part of it. And he will reach you in every part of it. When Joshua looked at Jericho, he looked at a fortified city that had never been conquered. 
and Jesus appeared to him as a warrior because at that time Joshua needed a warrior this is a big fight the first battle going into Canaan and I believe that whatever you need Jesus will come to you in what you need and sometimes you need to know his, for me it was knowing his compassion and you meet not the feeling I, I don't know quite how to explain this I can hope I can make it clear to you you don't just want the feeling people will give you a feeling people will put their arms around you people will make you feel good people will sympathise with you people will say nice things to you but that doesn't hold you what you need when you go through it is Christ himself to come to you and you will meet him he will show up for you in whatever way you need him all through your life in whatever way you need him go oh, search for him not for what he gives but for him because seeing him the revelation of who he is this woman at that time had a revelation of Jesus as the comforter the one who is compassionate get to know Jesus you, it's meeting that person that changes your life not the feeling am I making sense we muddle it up people can give you feelings but they can't change you inside it's only God himself can change you inside and that's what he does he comes in his compassion to the greatest pain you'll ever experience and says I'm here and I have compassion for you and it'll change your life it'll change the way you think about him it opens life up in a different way we need fear nothing no we saying, isn't it Christ is enough for me and when we've met him when we've met him, things change. It's wonderful. Yes. Next one is Jochebed. Then we do know Jochebed is. Some of you will. Moses's mother. How did you know that? You read my note yesterday. You just know, right? Away. I love Jochebed. I love this mother. I think she's wonderful. Jochebed was, had this baby at a time when Egypt was enslaved to the Egyptians. And because they were growing in number, Pharaoh said, kill all those boy babies, because boys become warriors. And he was scared that they were going to rise up and fight against him. So, they said, now kill all those boy warriors. But Jochebed saw that the baby was special. Oh, aren't our baby special? Come on. Not that I'm saying it because I know she's mine, but every mother I know says that at some time. I'm not saying it, but, you know, she's mine, I know, but every one of our babies is special, right? And what she had to do to save him was put him in a basket, a bassinet, I call it, and she put him in a river. Where she thought that river was going to take him, I have no idea. 
But it seems the maddest thing to do to save your baby is to put him in a basket and then put him in a river. You, you, you think about it. It's, it's totally crackers, isn't it? So, so, where, so this river was flowing, whether it was in flood, I don't know, but then it down he went. I think she thought it would end up in the home of an Egyptian family, perhaps, and they would take him in. But of course, we, all we know, it, it ended up in the bulrushes, and Pharaoh's daughter's maid saw him, took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she, he became brought up by the Pharaoh. But Miriam... Um, Moses' sister was watching and said I'll go and get my mother to nurse him and so she influenced him because she really brought him up do you know girls we need a little basket for our babies at every point of their life for the first time you let them you have them somebody babysits for you you need to put them into a little bassinet because I think the bassinet for me is a weave of faith and trust. You have to trust God with your babies, you know? And they go in this river all through their lives. First of all, is the, the babysitter, then is the sleepover with the grandparents. My word, what Ellen doesn't bring for a sleepover with the grandparents, you know, because I've never had children of my own. And, you know, I, I don't cook sausages so that they're uh, cooked through, or have you reheated that meat, or um, is that off? And Nobody's ever been poisoned in my house yet, is all I can say. But So we have this. So, Helen, we have a basket of faith and trust. And put them in it. You know, then they've got a creche. Wow. And then they've got a school, which is the big one, isn't it? Oh, you send them to school. And some teacher now is going to look after them for six hours a day and you're not in control of it. I find it, ter I find it terrifying. Tommy's going in September. I still think, oh, get the bassinet out. You put him in the bassinet. So we trust God. We put them in there and we trust God to look after them and that the influence will be good and we move them along. And then it comes a big one, teenagers. <gasps> big bassinet for teenagers. <laughs> Huge bassinet. And then you come the driving lessons, which is coming up at the end of the year. Whoa, bassinet the size of a car for that. I'm already weaving it out of faith and trust. Oh, dear, dear, dear. You know? It's terrifying. Then there's university. Oh, all that drinking. Oh, my word, all that drinking and sex. I can't stand it. Send them off there. What size bassinet am I going to have to have for that? Can you see? Wow. Ooh. Girlfriends, I'm going out. All these things all through our lives. We've got to be weaving faith and trust constantly. It never ends. Because, and this is the thing, stay in contact with them. Because you're going to be the good influence in their life. You're still going to have contact with them. So stay the good influence in their lives. Isn't it? Because Moses, even when they go off into the territory of the enemy sometimes, they get into a bit of trouble. They get it wrong. They get into a bit of hassle in life. Isn't it? The unconditional love of the mother to be there to nurse them in a way, and I don't mean nurse grown men, but you know what I mean there. To be that influence on them, that godly influence on them that'll bring them back 
Moses didn't get it right even when he came back. He murdered somebody. But eventually, he became the man of God that God wanted him to be. He became the greatest leader of Israel. That's what we want for our kids, isn't it? Don't we want them to grow up independent? You know? Confident. Living good lives. Taking their place in society. Able to look after themselves. Working hard in school. I just want you to throw that in. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and be, fulfilling the purpose God has for their lives. But for part of it, we have to mother them, not smother them. We have to mother them, not smother them. We have to let them go. And we can influence them, but we can't coerce them. Influence them, but let them go on this little river that God is sending them down. Well, all the while, we pray. And we have faith, and we have trust being built. And whether your bassinet is this size, with a little baby that's been left with a grandparent, or whether it's the size of a house, you know, for the one who's gotten into some trouble, you keep having faith and trust that your influence on them for good will bring them back in. Next, I'm going to talk about, so only got two left, a dysfunctional mother. This mother, I think, is mad. Her name... She was the, I'll tell you, she was the mother of Jacob. Anybody know her name? <laughs> oh, Sharon, Sharon. Oh, sorry. Your, your husband said it, Sharon, not me. I never said you were dysfunctional. Her name was Rebecca. Rebecca. Rebecca was married to Isaac. I think. Let me get this right now because my brain's going. And she had twins. Two children, Esau and Jacob. Can you put the photo up for me, please? No. no. Now, I reckon Esau looked like that. Because the Bible said when he was born, he was covered in red hair. That's how the Bible describes Esau. He was born, he was called Ed. Which means red. He was covered in red. I reckon, <laughs> you see, that Jacob got the blessing because the other one was an orangutan. <laughs> so you could, you know, so there he is. He saw. See? So he was given birth to an orangutan and Jacob. It's no wonder. No, she didn't. But there we are. And she heard when Jacob was in the womb that he would be the one with the blessing it, 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 the Bible words it out that the younger would serve the older unheard of really because the older man got everything the older brother got everything, the birthright on the blessing but she had one big problem in her life she was manipulative she was a manipulative deceitful mother and even though she heard God say this about Jacob she didn't wait Jacob and um, God's timing on it. She manipulated the situation so that he would get his father. She dressed him, that's why I said he looks like that, in an animal's coat so that he would be furry 
and his father would pray for him and feel the fur to make sure it was, it was that's not a man is it but that's this is how it went on the consequences of our manipulation were enormous his brother was going to kill him for stealing the birthright for him he had he, he had a split with his father so he had to run away and he never saw his mother again her influence on him can you see the difference now between her and Jochebed Jochebed was allowed to have her son because she was a good influence this son had to be taken away from his mother God had to send him away so that I believe he had to break that bad influence and I need to say something here look at me with the genome project now Andrew's been talking about this but this was on breakfast TV this, this week and the genome project has discovered that genes are not responsible for your psychology now then it's a big one everyone of you here whoever says oh got my father's temper see no you haven't not genetic you've got your own temper there's no gene for drinking. There's no gene for drug taking. There is no gene for uh, mental breakdown. They have not found anything that supports that theory. It's learnt behaviour. And Jacob was manipulative because his mother. He'd seen a manipulative mother. And he had to go away from his mother. That relationship had to be broken. And I believe when he came back, God took years. 40 years to bring him to his senses and when he came back he had to wrestle with God before he could be the man of God Israel he had to wrestle with God and I believe one of the wrestlings was to break the power of his manipulative mother over him got it makes sense so you are not a product of what your parents are and it's amazing Mental I've written this down. Mental state is not fixed. This is what Andrew says. Love in the early years can change it. Wow. A loving mother, not a manipulative mother. Yeah, right? You can limit self-regulation, limit your behavior. And it says, be around them. Play with them. Love them. Many, many years ago, somebody asked me when the girls were older teenagers it was a man who said how do you maintain such close relationship with your girls I had to think I can only say one thing spend time with them spend time doing the things that they like to do enjoying their company playing with them for us from the time they're little it was going for a coffee now I'm not talking about doing massive things we went for a coffee together. From the time they were born, practically, we went for coffee. We still go for coffee. Every week we go for coffee. It's time together. That's a, it's not manipulating them into what you want them to be in life. You know? God anoints and God takes the anointing away. No matter how much you want your children to succeed, you'll never get it in God's eyes by manipulating and so this mother lost her son effectively through manipulating a situation to get him what she thought was the best for him. Whereas Jochebed 
was allowed to influence Moses for good. So girls, again I'll say, mother not smother. Mother not smother. Let them grow up. Don't try to make them what they're not. Don't try to manipulate everybody else that they see how wonderful your children are. Because every mother thinks their kid is wonderful. Perhaps. But, you know, they do. We all believe that there's something special for them. But you know what? Every mother feels the same. So we have to have, let's have a bit of sanity into it. I was thinking this. You see, I don't believe mothers love their children more than men. We don't love more than you. But we're different. We're different. When you took the prodigal son, the father waited, didn't he? Till the son had come to his senses. And then come back. And then every, he waited for him, open-armed, to run to greet him. He gave him everything he needed. He threw a party, gave him presents. But the son had to come to his senses to come back. I believe if the mother was there, she'd have been nagging the father to send him food passes onto the pigsty. <laughs> I think that's the difference in us. I think we're emotional. We're much more emotional about our children than fathers are. You know, I'm not a sentimental mother. You know? But if my kids are happy, I'm happy. If they're not happy, I'm not happy. And if they've got problems, I worry. But I don't consider myself a sentimental mother. Well, of course I am. Because we're much more emotional. And I think men are more pragmatic, more sensible about it. I think that's the difference. Boys, you're all right. You're all right, boys. I think boys are all right. I think boys are all right. So, girls, mother not smother them. And the last mother I want to talk about is Leah. Now, Leah was a wife of Jacob. This man now was being manipulated, married two women. He was manipulated by an uncle. The big story won't go there. But I love the story of Leah. I love the story of Leah. Leah was his first wife, but he loved her sister, Rachel. Is it Rachel? Yeah. And so Jacob really didn't love her. So for all those unnoticed, unloved mothers out there, you know, and there's myriads of them, isn't there, who live, these, and this sad mother. But Leah had three children to start with. The first one was called Reuben. And that means, now we'll see me. Second one was called Levi. Now we'll hear me. And then she had a third. Third is Judah. And this time she said, now I'll praise the Lord. No girls, in that sadness, praise God. You know, when you're going through it, praise God. Because she had been through all the self-pitying, oh, well, he, does he love me? He doesn't see me. Oh, I'm unnoticed. And all that. Judah became the... Um, the ancestor was the ancestor of David and was the ancestor of Jesus. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you know what? Your sadness doesn't mean unnoticed and unloved. doesn't mean that we don't bring up children in the faith who are going to be great men of God. His ancestors were fantastic 
he wasn't a very good man, but his ancestors were amazing. And so when we trust them, do you know what I have to say this? It says praise, not worship. Worshipping to sad songs that indulge that feeling of sadness in you is not what this is talking about. This is praising God. It's a sacrifice. You tell him he's good when things are rotten. You love him when you can barely get up out of bed in the morning because you're so sad. He deserves all the praise. You actively enter into praising. Worship is different. Worship can feed all that and some songs up here you cry oh I was crying and I was worshipping praise him in a bad place the scripture says praise him yes we worship him we worship him but worship is your life it's with everything you have but praise God so and that results I think in God then saying because he inhabits the praises of his people so praise God I finish with the women but I'm going to end with this. I don't know if it's been of any help to you, but I've enjoyed doing it. <laughs> you know, as mothers, we have massive responsibility. As parents, we have massive responsibility, don't we? To bring these children up so that they're grounded. A grounded child who can take care of themselves and who is an asset to society and who fulfills the purpose of God in your life. That's basically what we want. But I want mine to be happy as well. I can't help it. But look at Isaiah. Oh, isn't he lovely? Look at that. <laughs> I just love it. Look at Isaiah, who says this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she's born? Well, that answer is yes. That answer is yes. Lots of mothers do. Right? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. A mother love fades into insignificance next to this love. If you want to know real love, then know God's love. Nothing compares to God's love for us. When people say, oh, God loves us, like you, loves you, like you love your child. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I can't love like God. God doesn't love like me. But there is something being put into me that can love like God does. But God's love is nothing like my love. It is who can fathom the depths of his love, Scripture says. But Paul tells us to get to try and know how high, how deep, how wide, and how long it is. We are asked to try to fathom out this unfathomable love of God. And your mothers, hopefully, love you. Your fathers love you. Your parents love you. But we are fallible. I was going to say infallible. We are fallible human beings who make mistakes. And I may not have made the mistakes my mother made with me, but I've made my own mistakes. And my children may not make my mistakes, but they'll make their mistakes. We are fallible. God's love is infallible. There is, it is perfect, perfect love. There is nothing in God's love that is wrong. It is perfect. And it's his love 
and all love never fails. The key to everything, love your kids, love God, enjoy. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.